Welcome to the Rotor Revolution RC Podcast with Brian Birdsong, Alex Dean, Kenny Hutton, and Nick Wisdom. Welcome to the Rotor Revolution. I'm your host, Nick, and with me this week, we got a partial crew. We got Alex here this week. What's, What's up, up, Alex? Hey. And uh, Kenny's here with us. What's up? What's up? Brian says hello. He's got some other obligations this week, so uh, hey won't guys. be able to join us. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> I don't have a He's Brian good. impression. I just came up empty <laughs> <It's> there. <good. laughs> That'll do. Brian, you're safe. <laughs> What's going on? Who had a good Christmas? Oh, man, I did, for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. Both of us, I, I guess. I learned a valuable Christmas lesson. If you send your wife lots of little inexpensive hobby things, they appear in your magical mm. Santa stocking. That's <laughs> a good idea. The little things that maybe you haven't bought that you kind of wish you had. Yeah. Like I put SAB servo horns and an SAB hat and like the special oh, pair of pliers, and just random little things. And they all appeared. And I was like, this is fun. I've tried this, but I usually get the, you've already got enough of this or that. So it's, I'm usually on my own in that world. <laughs> I've been dying to get my kid into into flying, and I, we were at Walmart or something, and I just bought one of those coaxial helicopters for him. He, <laughs> I've already bought fun. him like an MSR and all those other things from Horizon, and he refused to mess with them. But he's been flying that thing all day. Oh, it's great! Yeah, my Start son the loves beginning. those too. Yeah, I've gotten some of those like little, not GPS enabled, but whatever, super stable stuff that's like almost toy grade. To fly into play the mashed with, potatoes, and at my son loves them. Loves this them. This is super toy grade. It's coaxial and has that. And instead of the tail rotor facing to the left or right, it's facing up. And so to go up, it blows the whole thing tilts forward. And then I realized this is great, except that the controls are wrong because on the right stick is the rudder. Oh, yeah. I'm not so sure. Mine, I have wrong. one like that, and it's the 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 rudder is actually just a horizontal blade isn't it is yours like that too where it goes yes. forward by pulling up on the rear yes yeah. it's weird so you're mm-hmm. going to take the little plastic transmitter apart and see if you can reverse the sticks no <laughs> no way <laughs> it's something he's to get people interested it. i guess yeah i'm just happy he's having fun with it and he came in today and actually played the sim with me for a little bit so that's fun yay my son goes through sim phases and then i'm like sad when he stops asking <laughs> i do the same but i'm and trying I'm not to force it on him so yeah. i just like I'll sim near him sometimes. I'll like bring it into the house and hope that he'll be like, can I, can I have a turn? Cool. Um, I have not sim since the last episode because I'm, I'm already behind on my, my resolutions, but I'll get there. Yeah. So who, uh, so we had good Christmases. Who did something fun? Who wants to go first with updates? I can. Go ahead, Kenny. Mostly holiday stuff. Just visiting people and, you know, Buying gifts last minute like everybody else does, <laughs> I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Running out for stuff last minute, trying to stay out of the stores as much as I could. But It was miserable uh, driving around this week. Yeah, right anytime you Christmas. go out, it's just like, oh, I know I'm going to be standing in lines and can't find what I want because everybody already took it. <laughs> for the record, we're recording the 26th, so we're talking yeah. Christmas was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> just after the craziness. Yeah. So I was able to get a few flights backyard flights because you couldn't really get out to the field or anything but using the goose guy plenty of room in the backyard for that thing because you don't really need a whole lot of space but also plowed the goose guy in to the ground a couple times i mean it's 
it's mm. survived quite a few, but finally bent the tail boom. So oh, luckily yeah. the, I was able to straighten that back out though and just keep flying, which was nice too. <laughs> they do work even <laughs> if they're not perfectly straight. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Since you don't have anything mechanical going through the tail, you can just kind of like straighten it out and keep going, you know? So it's kind of cool. Yeah. And at some point you, your OCD kicks in and you're like, all right, I gotta, I gotta replace the tail. Boom. Yeah. I'm already staring at it like, oh, this is not straight. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> I have a problem with it too. And replacing the tail actually kind of sucks because the wires run through it. And you have you to take fish them out through the front. Every, yeah, that kind of sucks. That's what I was looking at. So our local club also had a, they have a freeze fly coming up for the first, you know, I don't know if you guys, does your fields, local field do something like that too? And we have a chili, there's like two or three chili flies here in Georgia. I'm like, why, why is there more than one? But anyway, uh, they're mostly planker events, but helis are welcome. That's, yeah, our, yeah our, that's what this is. Our planker field does a New Year's Eve fly. It's warm enough here in Texas that you can kind of, they fly till midnight and do a midnight flight and then pretty much all pack up and go home. Ours is <laughs> early in the day, but I just kind of like wing it until the last, like the day or two before, because sometimes it's so cold, you don't want to go out there, you know, and, and even deal with it. But if it's not too bad, I go out there and it's, it's mostly plain guys, but it's kind of because of the field. We have a few fields around here, but this field is when I started out at originally and I was flying planes, but but most of it, it's like in a floodplain for a lake. So it's all rocks and shale stuff on the ground. And it's mm-hmm. bad enough if you crash a plane or, or any, you know, the helicopter, if anything goes down, oh, it's, it's damaged bad. Yeah. <laughs> so it really <laughs> deters me from going to that field on a normal basis. But it's good to catch up with people and just hang out on New Year's, you know, and get a few flights in if it's possible. Yeah, I enjoy the big, I mean, the the airplane club that's near me is a big, there's 160 members. So it's very social. Wow. Wow. It's social to go there and hang out. You don't fly as much, but it's it's fun. I to still hang take out. both to this field. I got an Addiction X Precision Aerobatics plane, so I can play around with that a little bit and fly the helicopter a few times too, and just chill out for a bit as long as it's not too chilly. <laughs> I always force <laughs> helicopter in there, like I'm the only one with a helicopter, and you're gonna like it. Damn it! <laughs> That's kind of how it is here. Like they like seeing it fly, but nobody ever really. They don't seem to. These most of these guys are more airplane oriented. They don't seem to approach and. Or really get super interested into it. You know, some places it's completely different, but it's mostly. I've got my night rig that is, if you go to Heli Freak and look at the night night flying forum section, Satender, who is crash, fly, build, repeat, I believe, has posted a do-it-yourself for a Raspberry Pi running Christmas lights program. So I've got one of those with dancing lights to music. Nice. Nice. We're going to need a video of this. They, They all stand there and go, wow, this is next level. And then none of them have, I, I was hoping one of them would copy it and at least put it on an airplane, but no one's, no one's copied it at the field. Oh, we, uh, That's, we, we started making this concerted effort at our field, which is very much feels like often half and half planker helis on a busy day, which is like six of each of us of like complimenting them when something's nice. If it was a really nice scale flight or an aerobatic flight, we'll all, you know, shout and cheer or whatever. And then they've started kind of doing the same and it's kind of just made this whole experience much better oh, that's um, cool i went over and complimented some guy the other day and he was like oh yeah and i noticed this that and the other thing about your flight and it was like wow cool so we, we've got at one of our fields we have this nice little heli planker love fest going on which is great and it's cool it's crazy how hard that is to do i don't know why it's so hard it's well it's just politics and people some fields like even 40 minutes away from each other are radically different atmospheres 
When yeah. I got into this, though, I was flying at that. Sorry, can we steal your thunder here? No, right. I was flying <laughs> at that airplane field, and I liked airplanes. I didn't have a problem with airplanes, but they were so negative about helicopters for so long that you almost get to the point where you're like, I freaking hate airplanes because your attitude has made me not like them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, yes. but mine would be that way where you, if you did try to fly, they would usually not really give you the space or time and they just keep going up, you know? Yeah. So it's difficult. And then, then you have people, it's hard to fly planes and helicopters together. You know that. <laughs> have you done it where you, you think they're going to land and so you plug in if you're flying an electric and you're getting ready to walk out there, but it turns out they're just doing a touch and go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they do it All over and over and over again. That or you hear another nitro plane fire up the instant you walk over yeah. to the runway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well. Other than that, yeah, just getting a list ready to put together the Tron 7 after the uh, winter bash. That's now that Christmas is over, I'm going to go ahead and order the list of stuff I need to put that back together after running the tail into the ground. <laughs> but other than that, it's about it for uh, my weeks, I think. Right on. You know, I've got a stock. Tron 7 tail boom because I put the fusion boom on mine. If you need it, hit me up later. But nice. <laughs> right on. Well, I'll go next. I had an awesome holiday. We had some family here in town. They all left this morning. So there's always that nice feeling when you get your house back t- today. What else happened? So the week before Christmas, my wife took the kids skiing. So I had the house to myself for a week, which was amazing. And if you're wondering why I didn't go, it's because I have a rule in my house that. I don't pay money to be cold. I hate being cold. So (laughs) I don't go skiing when they go skiing. But when we go to the beach, I go with them every time. So anyway, I ended up having a ton of things I had to do around the house. So I didn't get out to fly a lot, but I did get out to fly, which was great. I got some more flights on the Tron Advance, which was super fun. And I pulled out the Logo 200 and was flying that again. And I remembered just that it flies really good. The tail is not quite as good as the Goosekey, the Goose Guy rather S2, but I don't like I don't really fly hard enough to blow out the tail on the S2. So the the cyclic feel on the logo feels better. The tail just, on the Goose Guy is better. Yeah, but I can funnel the logo 200 better. There's just some things I can do better on the logo 200. So that was really fun to fly. I felt good to get that out again. But most of what happened in my hobby since last time was getting ready for the build party that we did here in Atlanta, which is just a few of us from the Atlanta heli area. Some years there's more of us than others. This is the third one that we've done. Everybody either brings a kit or a crashed bird they want to repair or whatever it is you want to do. D- um, does Sean listen to this? Were you in Sean's hall or Sean's living room? <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to add, you, you need to mention also where, so Sean and, and you guys did a ton of sharing of this event. But you had to know where to see it. So where was that shared? Yeah, so we shared a whole bunch of videos of our chuckleheads in the Facebook group, the Heli Direct Heli Addiction group. So if you want to see a bunch of us being total goofballs and building helicopters and making fun of each other when we catch each other making a mistake. Um, it did appear as time went on, you guys got more heli drunk or something as the build went on. I think they got actually more drunk. No, actually, I know everyone commented that like there were some like Mike's hard lemonades around, but I, at nine a.m. Yeah, that I didn't drink at all, and I think anybody else maybe had one or two. So it was not like a big drinking thing. We were we were all about the building. We're just that goofy. So for those who were was, like, "Oh man, they're really drunk," we're like, "No, we're just fourth graders." Like we're I love a bunch of goofballs. I know in a social media, there's a thing is oversharing, but 
I didn't feel like this was overshared. This was just fun to follow. You guys were hilarious. We were just having a ball and, and also getting work done. But then just stuff would happen. You know, Sean accidentally knocked one of his helicopters off a shelf. And we called it the first crash of the build party because he broke a skid. We caught him accidentally mounting the boom upside down. So the SAB letters were upside down. That was like, really funny in video too. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he would we'd catch Brian dancing while he's building and he'd randomly, you know, shoot a little video of that. Whatever. I'm sure I did a bunch of stupid stuff. I think that, Sean does these videos where he zooms in close to people and does these weird. Oh, I hate things. them. <laughs> I think they're I so them. funny. It's like your nose is huge in the frame. Yeah, and you're like, like, oh, my God, this is terrible. I laugh terrible. so hard watching those. Did you drop any uh, spares on anybody's tables? No, I did think about it and laugh to myself. But it was it's funny how anxious it makes you to get ready for such a thing. You're like trying to build like, all right, what is absolutely everything I need for this thing so I don't have to drive back to my house? Like every tool, you know, the piston lock, the, you know, fuel tubing, T's, whatever it that. is, you know, that you think might not be in the kit. And yeah, a lot I love of times to, people, the last thing they remember is the arms. Like I forgot my servo arms, you know, you're all ready to go and you can't put the arms on and center everything. The, the thing that kills me is that I had... And I forget which it is because I did this to my 700 Nitro as well. I had either a different pulley or a different motor pulley, but to basically slow the head speed down, but still keep the engine RPM where I wanted it. And I swear I packed it, but I could not find it. So I was walking all over the place trying to figure out where I put it down at Sean's. I still can't find it here on my bench. I don't know where it is. It vanished in thin air. So anyway, the 580 though, with the whatever it comes with. And the 55 motor makes plenty of power, even at 1800. Yeah, just fly it and then swap it later if you had to. I was just trying to keep the motor in the power van and slow the head speed down a little because I just like a little slower head speed in general. So, But it flies awesome stock. So anyway, I built it bone stock. I did, because I'm a total dork, glue the push rod the night before so that I knew that would be fully cured. That's Um, a good idea. And just, you know, anything. And then I did all the soldering ahead of time. So built my power harness. Which Kenny, man, last Nitro I did, I just bought one you had already pre-built. I had all the stuff to solder it and you were like, you want to just buy this? And I was like, yes. So then I made this one up and I was like, where's Kenny? Damn it. (laughs) I still probably have one or two of those. So I built that and did the tail push rod and then everything else I did at the build party. So I started at 7 a.m. unloading the car and I finished the helicopter, completely built, set up, finished, like ready to maiden at 10 o'clock at night. And we just built nonstop. And I, I know that's not lightning fast by any stretch, but it was fun, yes, man. It's not Scott Graham five hour. I don't think he uses Loctite. I, don't <laughs> I think know he just how he did that bits on the bolt or something and drives. I always it have in. to do half one day and half the next, kind of. For, yeah. uh, for those of us, for those of you guys who don't know what we're talking about, Scott Graham had posted he built a Tron Dynamic in five hours and maidened it. Had yeah. speed building. I mean, I know sure. he doesn't clean his bolts at all. He just puts whatever oil-resistant Loctite on there. That's Are you raising your hand saying... Yeah, you, uh, that's yeah, what I do. Uh, yeah. I'm a bolt <laughs> cleaner. I tried orange Permatex Loctite on the Nitro build. I've never used it before. So I've never so tried f- that. So far, so good. I've heard great things about it, but nothing's backed out. It supposedly has like the hold of red, but it breaks almost as easy as blue huh. uh, when you back it out. So I need to try that. Or almost the hold of red. Uh, I need to remember that that's a thing and order it after this. Well, I don't know. Let's see. I'll tell you after, you know, another 10 flights and tell you if everything's backing out. Okay. Uh, Share so the blue Kool-Aid so Loctite. So how uh, many, how many flights party. did you get on the 580 Nitro? 
at this point, I have four. I've only flown it once. Um, okay. So maidened it and got three more flights and then had to go. Um, got it. But damn, it flies good. Yeah. Like really good. So the next morning, and there are a lot of guys that were messaging us like, why didn't you spotlight like maiden it in the backyard? And I've it's done because, that. It's fun. Yeah. Unless you've been building for 14 hours straight and you don't trust your brain anymore. And I was like, I want to look this thing over in the morning and know it's good. So I think it's good, but I'm rushing and I'm tired and I want to see what it's like. So in the morning, I went through it one more time. And even after going through it again, put it up in the maiden hover, which was totally uneventful, started right up on like the first blip. I'm like, oh, I don't have any RPM. So I'm trying to figure out why I've got no RPM and I'm checking the gearing on it and all the stuff in the radio and I can't figure it out. And then finally, and I remembered at 10 o'clock at night staring at the little logo on top of the Neo to make sure I put the backplate sensor in correctly. And I didn't. I flipped the signal wire the wrong way because yours is just stupid and it was late and I was rushing. So whatever. Once I got RPM working, it just flew fantastic i mean seems like all of my nitro builds are like that i'll get it done and then something either either i don't have the curves right for the governor to kick in or just the sensor is not in the right spot if it's even the you know motor base sensor or anything it just depends you know there's a way on the radio to tell if the governor's working on the bench before you spin it up or do anything yeah the top is a little harder but yeah with v-bar and them has a little there's a, there's a, there. there's a light that'll come on and tell you when it's passing by. Okay. Yep. And with the, with the backlight sensor, you can also just put a starter in the motor and blip it a couple of times and you'll yeah. see it. But even yeah, by hand, CRRP you can just turn spinning. the fan and you can see the light come on if the backplate sensor's working too. Yeah. With the Futab one, I'll go through the program box and spin it and you can see it, you know, go up three or 400 RPM just by cranking it over. Yeah. Sometimes I just expect it to work, though, you know, and then it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) You're definitely not going to hurt anything, though, sitting on the bench and spinning it a couple of times. If if you're thinking, if you're listening to this and going, I've had this problem, how do you test it on the bench? You can just spin it up with your starter and look at the screen of your radio and see if it's reading the RPM. Well, I sadly didn't even try and test it on the bench. I have no excuse. I literally clicked into bank two. And I was like, the RPM went up, but it's weird. Something's wrong. And the governor's not governoring and looked down. And it's like, oh, RPM zero. That's no, why. No screen reading. Yeah. But it flies fantastic, man. I mean, it flies. My raw 580 electric is geared for lower head speed, like all my helis. So it doesn't have, you know, unlimited gobs of power. So it flies for me like my raw 580 electric. It was Literally, all I did was knock the tail gain down by like 10 points because it was a little little overexcited. And that's all I've done tuning-wise so far. I haven't done optimizer, and it flies fantastic. Like, it's just Pyros, doesn't drift, just flies awesome, has great power. I mean, we're on stock engine settings with two extra clicks rich because it's pretty cool here, and it just rips. I Huge smiles. Eight-minute flights, and there's still a little bit of fuel in the tank. It's It's awesome. It's going to be a great yeah, I had the Kraken 580 when they came out, and it was the same way. Like, you didn't have to do a lot. That that heli with the belt drive was really solid, you know, as soon as you get it put together. Didn't have any loose feeling to it, at least. Yeah. So, the only thing I would say about the build party, and I'm, I'm a little sad Brian isn't here to talk about some of the shenanigans, but you should do it. You should totally get together with your friends and build a helicopter. Even if you don't finish the whole thing or you only do it for four hours, the act of getting together with three other people and building helicopters is awesome. 
awesome. Yeah, I awesome. think if you could do that on a rainy day or something where you're itching to do something, it and you have to have the time to do it. Also, I usually build for a couple of hours every day. I've never I've never built a model in one day like that. Yeah, me either. My build time happens after all the kids are in bed. So yeah, at like exactly. starting at nine o'clock at night until I get tired. Uh, yeah, two hours. Except for this once once a year, my wife knows that I want to go be a dork for a day and a half and she knows how happy I come home. So she totally enables it, which is awesome. Um, That's cool. I guess so, the best part is you guys can catch each other, you know, if you make a mistake or if you need help on something too, right? Or if you try oh. to put the boom on upside down. End up with a Mr. <laughs> Potato Head helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> No, there were definitely times when I was like, wait, on a nitro, I start, which, wait, which, which is which way? You know, like, would shout out questions and Sean would remind me or whatever, because I've only built one before. So I definitely, there were a few moments I was like, wait a minute. And he fortunately had a raw FAVD nitro on the shelf. So if I wanted to go like measure the fuel tubing before I cut it, I, in, rather than guessing or whatever, I could just walk over. And yeah, that's nice. When you have one there, you can measure like the tail rod or anything else. It's yeah. to get it 90 degrees. Yeah, he kept yelling at me to stop cheating, but I'm like, why? It's right here. He's like, read the damn <laughs> yeah. manual. I'm like, why I do, do the I need same to thing if manual? I have one here like that. <laughs> Just go ahead and copy <laughs> stuff. You know, it's the same. So it was awesome, man. I've had kind of an awesome, awesome couple of hobby weeks. So that's uh, that's it for me. Thanks to Sean for opening up his home and to his lovely partner for food and wonderfulness. And it was just awesome. So Kenny, what about you, man? What have you been up to? Not Kenny, Alex. Damn my brain. Sorry, I'm so excited about the build party. Alex, what have you been up to? Well, I have been ultra addicted to hobby lately. I've been, I also built and flew my 580 Nitro for the first time. I have not had a 600 size helicopter since I had a Logo 600 10S with Thor batteries in it from a long time ago. So Thor uh, batteries. I've, yeah, that was a brand or, or and then I had spider batteries in there also that made some tennis wow. packs. So I've flown other people's 580s, but when you're flying someone else's, I'm not beating on it. They're usually asking me to tune something on it, or I have guys in my field that just ask me to maiden stuff for them sometimes. And when I maiden someone's thing, I don't maiden it like my own thing. So I didn't really have the same experience. So Getting this thing up in the air, I was super excited about it, just like you were, Nick. I was, I hadn't flown, I've never flown a 60 size Nitro. So it was my first, it's a 55 engine, but I didn't know how powerful it was going to be. I wasn't expecting it to be what it is. You can really beat on it. It's awesome. Unfortunately, my one way bearing gave out on the second flight. Oh. And it was, I, I was, I was only running at 1800 RPM, but I was inverted. When the one way gave out. Oh man, that's always when that happens. So I, I got it flipped over just in time to break only the the main blades and the landing gear. And oh. I already had a landing gear here and I had extra blades. So didn't cost me any more money at the time. But it was still I was just bummed out. Oh, I take it back. It did cost me money because I ordered a new output shaft and I ordered a new pulley with the one-way bearing already installed in it. And I had someone else, Kerry Brooks reached out to me and kind of gave me some advice on some different things. He's flown this thing a ton and I was dying. So I fixed it and I was dying to test it out. Like I had to know. <laughs> and so here, this is like Friday or Saturday before Christmas. It's raining here nonstop. And it, 
I found a little break. It was like misting. And I went out to the airplane club because they have a paved runway. So I wouldn't have to be out in the mud. And I'm the only one there flying in the rain, basically. And I got three flights on it in the rain. (laughs) And I was super freaking happy about it. (laughs) Even though it was so dark, you could barely see anything. Because it's like four o'clock in the afternoon. The sun's going down and it's raining. But I had a blast doing it, knowing that A, it was going to fly next time I want to go out. But B, I've just, I'm really having an addiction problem to the hobby right now. I've got a, I, oh, like, I hate to say it this way, but it's like I need to not fly something for a day. And when I say fly something, I mean get on the sim also, or fly, I fly that stupid little MSR around the house still. I still have one of those. I freaking love that thing. So I've been way too addicted, dude. Like, Give me something to do. I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. I thought yeah. of you when I made the 580 because I was so happy after like the like the after the third flight where I was really starting to get comfy and had a great long flight for me and I landed and I had this huge smile on my face and I was yeah. like if I was Alex I'd be jumping up and down right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Because I wanted to jump up and down. That's how I felt at the time. I was so happy. I was so happy my son was flying that coaxial helicopter we got him for Christmas around. I I like ran around the house. So I was upstairs. I heard him flying it downstairs. I ran downstairs because I keep the thing in my car with a charge pack still. And I went out to my car, grabbed the S1 and and started trying to fly it around with him. But it's way too fast for me to fly in the house. They were like, (laughs) I flew it over the kitchen table and there were like papers flying everywhere. And I went, what am I doing? This is so stupid. And I finally just put it away. Yeah. My my master bedroom has some prop strikes or rotor strikes in the walls. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've flown mine a couple times. They're just so fast in the house. It's like, I don't know how how people fly them, dude. I don't know how people fly them that fast. Yeah, I had but, some uh, um, I had some maidens like you, you were saying I had to go out at night. So I would go out and like if I didn't have a place around my apartment I used to live in, I would take them out to like street, you know, parking lots yeah. of street lights and you go up too high and you can't even see it anymore. <laughs> but you're just yeah. so, you know, excited to get it in the air and test it out. Actually, when I got the S2, I did that. I ran over to the, the street light and flew it at like 11 o'clock at night around the street light. You have wow. to stay like right below them. If you go above, you can't see anything. So I it's... didn't fly high at all. <laughs> I was scared of it because it was something I'd never flown before and it was fast. And I just hovered it and was happy doing it. And I came back inside. <laughs> my wife goes, can you go to bed now? Like she knows how <laughs> I have to do this now thing. Got it out of your system. Yeah. But I've been, yeah. so I've been simming a lot. I have simmed every day except for Christmas day. I did not sim Christmas day because I was building the kids stuff that they got. And trying to do what I said I was going to do and break down maneuvers and fly them slower. I am sick and tired. I I figured out while I was trying to do the maneuvers that there's actually a couple of orientations that I'm not comfortable doing circuits in. So I'm not comfortable with right rudder inverted tail first flight. So that's, is that a counterclockwise, counterclockwise circle? And I'm also not comfortable with nose downs upright funnels. And I've been doing that over and over. I can't wait to go to the field and see if this simming has actually sunk that in for me. That has made simming not as fun as it. I, I said previously that I enjoyed simming. This is killing it, working on these things. <laughs> yeah. I, if it works, it'll be worth it. And I think that'll give me that new rejuvenation. I, I use the S1 for that stuff also, but it's been either raining and I didn't, I don't know why I didn't fly that in the rain. I flew the 580 Nitro in the rain, but I didn't fly that. And it's been cold and windy since then. 
So I haven't been out to actually fly since I flew in the rain. Yeah, it's been that way here too. It's pretty much rained since since I made in the 580 and drove home. It then started to rain and it's rained through Christmas and rain, rain, rain. I've also been flying Goblin 500. I initially set it up to run at like 3000 RPM with way too much pitch. And I had this, I think I thought that I was just going to beat the snot out of this thing and smack it around. And when it's turned up that high, it is so freaking fast that it's scary. Mm -hmm. And now that I've turned it down to flying it at a reasonable like 12 degrees and anywhere between 26, 27, 2800, it's, it's much more reasonable to fly. And it really flies like a nice machine instead of this running hot, I'm going to kill you thing that I don't know why I thought. I think, <laughs> have you ever done that where you're like, I'm going to fly like this person that I've seen. I, I can do this. And you get out there and you try to do it and you go, no, no, I can't. Why am I doing that? Yeah, I had the original 500 Goblin Forever and it was fun, but it was the same thing. Like you had to turn it down because that thing is a rocket for sure. It's a rocket, dude. But, but now that I've got it turned down, it's not so intimidating feeling and the blades aren't making so much noise that all your friends stop and turn around going, what is it? It's like when you see, it's like when someone's hovering their test hover at 2300 on a 700 and you're going, what is, what's going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> That's what this was. When, when Sean maidened his rod 500 that he built at the build party, there was a governor issue initially and he goes to spool it up for the first time. And I swear it must've gotten to 5,000 RPM. We're all backing <laughs> up like, oh my God, it's going to explode. <laughs> like it just felt like it was going to go to a hundred percent and then keep going somehow. Yeah. It was so loud and so fast. We're all like, shut it off, shut it off, shut it off. There's and a lot tight flying through your head. Like is this piece going <laughs> yeah. to thread itself? It was <laughs> Grips terrifying. are flying off. I've got switchblades on mine, and switchblades just sound so good in the air. They're loud. They're, they're aggressive way. sounding, yeah. So it makes this it makes this thing sound really fun. Yeah, they're super barky. Yeah. And we've been talking a lot about the S1, and I got my S2 back out because I've got this TX-16 set up now. The S1's nice, but the S2 really flies better to me, and it's easier to see. Maybe it, maybe it just flies better because you can see it. That S1 gets... 10 yards tiny. out there and it's tiny so fast yeah. yeah i've been trying to keep mine close yeah i much prefer the s2 the 200 size is, is really much better to me but the s1 still fun it still has its place it which is the place. backyard when i can't fly anywhere else and i need a but fix. if you could just have just one i think i'd suggest the s2 over the s1 100 percent. i agree right on any anything else alex was kind of thinking about the New Year's Nightfly thing, but we've only I've got, only gotten to do that one time with the the airplane club holds the the New Year's fly in. But I think this year I'm going to stay home with the kids, and they don't want to go. I've already asked, and I just don't see it happening. So I'll have to get my fix in some other way. <laughs> Front yard nighttime flight for the kids with the night rig. Mm -hmm. Well, my front yard is neighborhood. I wonder oh. if I can get them to hold a spotlight and let me fly the S1. Wow. Spotlight candy drop. That would be kind of fun. I just did an S1 spotlight like a couple nights ago showing my buddy. Yeah? <laughs> I was like too go? late, so we had to do that. <laughs> Could I you survived. See yeah, we were flying over the cars that were parked in his driveway and everything. But <laughs> oh, no, that's Made terrifying. it without crashing and landed on his deck a few times. And he, he's already ordered one. Two other people talked to him. I've only it. flown the S2 at night under lights. I've never flown the S1 at night 
You can still see it, but the problem with this was his spotlight was one of those super thin focused beams. So mm. <laughs> it only had like a two foot circle to stay in, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's tight. If he's not good at following you, then you're screwed. Yeah, I had to go slow down a bunch each time just to keep from getting out of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be hard to follow that thing with a spotlight. I feel like with spotlighting, if you've done it before, or if you've never, if you don't even know what we're talking about, at night, instead of using LEDs or something like that on the helicopter, people hold essentially a big flashlight, a spotlight, and you'd like more than one, preferably, and they just show the, shine the light on the thing while it's going around. It's actually super visible. But once you've held the spotlight, you realize how hard it is to follow someone's movements. But the more you do it, the better you get at it. So if you have an experienced person holding the light, it helps a lot. Yeah, you kind of eventually kind of follow it like you do with your eyes after you've done it a few times. Yeah. Or you have an instinct of where they might be going next. (laughs) Well, yeah. And if you've never even seen a heli fly and you're trying to follow the spotlight and don't understand what a funnel or any of these moves are, you're, yeah, good luck. Yeah, because they don't comprehend that this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Yep. Cool. That's my week. Weeks Weeks is. Nobody's got anything else. Let's get into some news, eh? Hey, where did that come from? I don't know. You said it, and I was like, "What? What's all that about?" (laughs) And now, with all the news from inside the RC helicopter hobby, we bring you the Rotor Report. This week looks like Alex is going to kick us off. What you got, Alex? Well, I had talked about Mikado doing some updates with the Evo and sending out. We had seen pictures of an Evo side by side with the first batch and with the new ones that are coming in. And it's a new sensor that is not glued, glue not necessary. So I hadn't confirmed this really with anyone. And Andrew Locks uh, reached out to me and said, hey, yeah, I got a new Evo and I opened it and checked it. And it is indeed a new sensor. So I went ahead and ordered a new one also. And I just got it in and opened it up. And it is a new sensor. So if you've been on the fence about it because of the hot glue being necessary and stuff like that on the old Evos, there's a new sensor available. I'm hoping this fixes what was problems and what was a lot of news last year. I think or was it last year around this time or was it a year ago? I mean, six months ago. I don't remember. But anyway, there were some fears about that. I hope that's all been resolved. Speaking um, of that, you put an Evo on your Nitro. Is that true? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. I have a hot glued Evo. So a first batch on my Nitro 580. I have flown it. I know you're supposed to break an engine in, but on the fourth flight, I just flew it as hard as I could. And in the rain. And I got zero, like zero extreme vibrations in the log that thing is running smooth and i'm not getting any weird tendencies again i was flying in the rain so not as fast as possible and not as hard as possible i'm having to keep it in closer where i could see it and things like that Mm -hmm. but i think that's super promising and the evo does it made me want to put an evo on my 700 on my other 700 again it's got a, a unique feel to it i'm still i still left the refresh rate that servos I have thetas in it, 
but I did not program them. They're still at, is it? No, 1520. 1520. And I left it at 144 hertz, which was the stock Neo settings. I didn't turn them up. I don't see a need to turn them up after all the different stuff I've done. I'm going to leave them alone. But the tail is sharp and the cyclic feeling. I think you have to have flown a whole lot on a Neo to be able to feel the difference. And you have to be cramming on it. If you're a if you're a newer pilot or you're not throwing everything that you can at it which I'm not saying I can do all the time, but I don't know that everyone's going to feel the difference between a Neo and an Evo. Which I'll be thrilled if I don't feel any difference. If it feels like the same experience as just new hardware, I'll be very happy. I think it feels the same. You might notice the tail's a little sharper on it. It's nice. You should try the 760 Pulse, though, because I've noticed on the two or three helis that I've switched over, it's silkier, smoother on the cyclic, like in moving the swash up and down just pitch itself too so give I it a try that, and let us know you're talking about on futaba mostly right i, um, I wonder if no, the I did it on different. three different um, ones now i did it on the icon two and the futaba and rotor flight all three. Oh, that's and it's cool. a somewhat noticeable smoothness to it for sure not just okay. like there's no speed as much as it is maybe the resolution how it's changed you know it's a lot smoother yeah that's just cool. changing your pitch and tilting the swash, it feels different. Just looking at it, I want to see that. I need you can see it's less it notchy. It's actually more huh. notchy with 1520. You would think the opposite with... Yeah. That's a whole resolution. Would. We can talk yeah. about that for hours. <laughs> yes, Give it a can. try and let me know if you can and see it or feel the difference. Okay. Cool. The next thing I'm looking at is the new Align 380 is out. So I'm looking at the Heli Direct site. They already have it up there. I don't know if it's on A-Main already. Do you know, Kenny, if it's on A-Main? I believe it is, yeah. So they have the TB40. So now, not last week we talked about all the different 700s that are out, but there are a ton of 380 slash 420 size kits available also. So, so many. This is, this is available for pre-order right now. I don't believe it's out. But you've got what what is really cool to me are the kits that Align does because they make it easy for a beginner or a first-time builder who, even if you read the manual and go, it says I can use these electronics. Well, which ones are you supposed to order? So if you get the top combo kit, you just know you're getting good stuff with a TB40 and a 6S for $588, or you can get it for just the kit for $334.99, so $335. I think after the actually holidays. the 6S, the just the kit, also includes the motor. So you get the motor oh, no matter which one you go with. I'm glad you stepped in and said that. Okay, so even for three thirty-five, you get a motor, so you're not you don't have to figure that out on your I own. Mean, that's I hard haven't to had an align with, in man. four or five years or longer, but this one kind of has my attention. I kind of want to give this one a try and see how it is. I mean, five hundred and eighty-eight bucks, everything you need, boom, done. And yeah, the top I combo like the has, yeah, the motor is up real high. You know, so it seems like it's going to roll really good, and you know, all the weights up top, except for your battery, obviously. But it doesn't look like a bad design. Really, looks pretty nice. Top combo has includes blades, 380 mains, and 70 millimeter tails. It also has a Hobby Wing ESC, a 60 amp in it. I don't know enough about the Align servos, but it's the the metal gear, gear servos that come with it, the DS450Ms and the DS535M. I think are those and, still made by Savox, possibly? I believe they used to make theirs. I know they used to. I think they're in house now. I think, but I'm not sure. I have no idea. Comes with the motor, the Align MX motor that's an 1100 kV, and it comes with a Micro Beast flat barless unit. I wish you could order the top combo kit without that. 
regardless. No, they're almost disposable. It, it, for, yeah. for those of you that haven't used them, MicroBeast is an acceptable fly barless, but there's much better that can be had out there. So. I mean, if you're a, if you're if you're an intro and you're just getting into this, I think the MicroBeast is fine. It's just you're going to have to find someone to help you with those blinking lights that you have to deal with on the top of the case. So, yeah, yeah. But it looks good, dude. It's got some one piece skids that are easy to work on. It has a battery tray system, uh, three bearing blocks on the main shaft. That's cool, which means the main shaft should be super stable. And it can you can still remove the main shaft with just one screw, which means maintenance maintenance should be pretty easy on it. And on these smaller helicopters, usually the belt is just something you pull on the boom to tighten it up, and there's a belt tensioner. So that's cool to see on a on a smaller helicopter. Yeah, but I mean, dude, for that top combo for me, price wise, is incredible. I hope that I hope that that's a great entry level for a lot of people and can bring some new people into the hobby, just like the old Align 450s were. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, so they sold so many of those things. That's that was insane. my the first kit I built was an Align 450 DFC Pro. Great kit. Yeah, and the layout doesn't look too time. complicated too. That someone starting out could probably you know assemble this fairly easily. I think that the belt driven thing is easier for a beginner than the torque tube and trying to figure out where to glue those bearings in on the tube and slide it in and dealing with all that. Yeah, yeah. And if you like the look of the TB70, it just looks like they shrunk it. It's yep. same canopy styling, frame styling, skids, all that. Yeah. Huh. It's cute. I like it. I, don't say cute. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great sorry. looking model, Nick. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a great bird. I, I, uh, <laughs> see, like a 700 is sexy, but a yeah, 380 okay, yeah, is cute. Right. The S1 is cute. Is the, is the 500 cute? Hmm. I'm only pausing because. I saw it with the pink canopy and white boom, in which case it kind of <laughs> was cute. <laughs> kind of was cute. But maybe if it was in of like Italian phrases. the orange and white scheme, it would be cool, not cute. <laughs> Kenny, do you know any Italian phrases? No. <laughs> Me either, okay. <laughs> Magnifica. <laughs> Perfecto. Yeah. Uh, and I did see, which I watched, find a few more things about it. Alan Zabo did an unboxing video and a flight video on his YouTube channel. So if you search for Alan Zabo on YouTube, you can find a little more out about it. All right. Also in the news, speaking of fly barless controllers, Spectrum has announced a new update for their NX series of transmitters, which is kind of their current flagship line. And what it does is it corrects incompatibilities with the forward programming when using Spectrum's own FC6250HX helicopter fly barless units and forward programming is basically what spectrum calls you know integrated fly barless programming from the radio wirelessly so the update's called public beta v3.12a it's available on the spectrum rc website for download so if you're using an nx series radio with the 6250 uh, you definitely want to seek out and apply this update all right moving on from there we got a little bit more information on the strike 6.1 kits so they are now available for order in the U.S. at aeropanda.com. And we got pricing too. So price for the kit with first main and tail blades is $815 U.S. All up weight ready to fly with a 6S 4000 milliamp pack is just over eight pounds all up. So a nice light helicopter. Super similar appearance to its bigger brother, the Strike 7.1, including the boom supports for those of you that are into or not into those. They did, however, take this opportunity to speed up the tail a little bit on the 600 size version 
for a little bit improved tail performance. It's like its bigger brother available in multiple colors with matching blades. Uh, and then, like I said, it does come with the 600 millimeter first blades and the 95 millimeter tails. And you can set it up as both a 6S or 12S setup either way. All right. Kenny, over to you. Okay, I've been seeing on Tron Helicopters page a lot of activity recently showing some teasers and uh, photos of another advanced canopy possibly. You guys probably saw this too. It's hard to really tell if it's like if it's a scale type setup or F3C or what it is. It's just a vague photo kind of suggests suggestive that they're, you know, coming out with a new possibly even a 5.8. It's very hard to tell. There's a side angle picture of it and you can't really pick out the size, but keep you posted for info on that. My guess is like they did with the Tron 7.0 Advance that maybe they'll do something like that with the Dynamic or the 5.8. So upgraded, you know, idler pulleys and a few other little touches and some new canopy colors. But who knows? Just a teaser. Yeah, the photo looked like kind of like a flattened. It's hard to really tell. They just kind of left it vague, but I'm sure we'll hear pretty soon. They used like to tease you for a week or two and then yeah. lay it out there for you. <laughs> Keep everybody wondering. <laughs> So they also been showing, what's that? I always get annoyed because I feel like we record the episode and then literally on the day you're about to release it, they tell you what it actually is. And you're like, damn, the news is going to go out saying we'll we don't know what it is. We'll find out just a second too late, yeah. Everybody <laughs> finds out right as the episode drops. Just take Sorry, wild guesses. And <laughs> so they also been showing teaser photos of uh, possible new color schemes for the dynamic. There's two different ones on their Facebook page to gauge interest. I'm not sure if both of those are being produced or that's something that they're just getting an idea of what people are, you know, interested in more. And on top of that, they ran a poll asking if folks would be interested in either a throwback flyboard heli kit or them offering a conversion kit for their current line of helicopters to make flyboard heads available. The last time we saw the poll, there was not a lot of interest. Maybe 25 to 30 percent seemed interested in seeing a flyboard heli conversion. That's kind of a thing where... I don't know. I mean, it's, I would, I wouldn't mind having one. I don't know if I'd want to keep a helicopter can convert it with a flybard. How do you guys feel? I've never flown a flybard helicopter. Yeah. And it'd be something, boat. it'd be something to try, I guess. I would like to fly one for the experience of flying one. Yeah. I kind of started day. with them. So it'd be kind of cool to go back and do it again. I mean, all you have to do with your Neo or Evo or whatever flybar list is just to go to your cyclic gains and turn them to zero, you know, and you're ready to go. Yeah. So. It's not that hard as long as you can convert it easily, you know, on the head itself. I feel like I, if I was going to fly a flybard, I'd want to build like a Raptor or something. Yeah, just an older one. But yeah. I mean, there's there's something different to the new ones. I think you're going to feel like the old ones have a very soft, floppy, flimsy type feel compared to today's helicopters. So I think even putting the flybard head on a newer heli is going to have a quite different feel, you know, just because the rigid yeah, airframe. more rigid. Yeah, yeah, they're they're built a lot more stiff than they used to be. So I think it's still going to be a different experience or something unique. Servos are also better now than they were 15 years yeah, ago. Yeah, back then you were afraid just to use the wrong servo or use one that had a plastic spline. You know, it might just strip out just doing the wrong <laughs> quick move, like too much pitch and strip out a servo gear. It's kind of crazy. But that's not all on the page. There's also more activity. They have around a thread of which motors are popular to use on the 700 Tron Dynamic. Unlike other light 700s, they don't recommend the 4030. And they say, in fact, that it's going to be rubbing the canopy possibly without modifications. It's There's some people running those, and 
mostly the Tron recommends the 4225 or the 4025s from Scorpion or the 4025s from Ego Drift or Xnova, as well as their Tron Dynamic 4225 series to fit in there better. And I think it has to do a lot with the power delivery also that you don't need quite that much on the 4030 size cans. Yeah, they're also rubbing the underside of the canopy. I saw, I talked to a few folks who actually have been putting 4030s in them who were kind of commenting on that thread and they fit, they rub the canopy. You can either modify the canopy a little or just deal with a little bit of rub. It's, 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 it's not like super tight by any means. That's, that's kind of where I'm at because I have a 4030 now on my 5.8 and I was going to do the dynamic, but I didn't know if I, you know, I may or may not, I guess I'll try using it if it doesn't work. I mean, if Same it's only thing. rubbing the canopy, I feel like modifying the canopy. A it little should bit, be not easy. Yeah, deal. either you cut a spot or raise it somehow, maybe, or just maybe not put it on first and change the grommet holes to raise the canopy four or five millimeters, you know? Or you just fly it for long enough until it wears a hole in the place that it needs to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe I should make some oblong canopy grommets that fit custom just for that. <laughs> it's funny, as, as an aside, I was cleaning up my workshop this afternoon and I had some time. And I found all the electronics I took out of the Puma I sold earlier this year. So I've got a set of Theta Low Profiles. I've got a YGE 125 amp ESC. I've got a 4030 motor. Do you have I'm to like, have low profiles for it? No. Oh, I okay. just had them. And I'm like, huh, I got all the electronics for a dynamic sitting right here. And I was like, no, you have a resolution to not buy any more helicopters. I'm still between if I want to convert my 5.8 heritage to that or just get another kit and build the build it from scratch. I just, I've, you know, you watch Ben flying his on 6S. Not that I can fly anywhere near like that, but. Dude, have you, uh, if you haven't seen Ben Stork fly his in person, you would think it's 12S the way he handles it. It's totally nuts. There's some great videos of him flying that thing. <laughs> I almost wanted to ask him to. I really want to fly it just to see if it's just him because he has amazing collective control. But I, he makes I it look fast. I didn't jive with the Puma as a lightweight 700. I, I felt like I didn't love the lightweight 700 genre. But then I watched the dynamic fly so well and I'm like, maybe, maybe it was just the heli. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Kyle Stacy also makes the Puma look ridiculous. True. Yeah, I'm sure both have a different feel. So really, you'd have to try both and compare. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they fly so much different, you know? Yeah. So it's stay tuned to the Tron Helicopters page for more info on that as it becomes available. Also, in XL Power News, just a heads up on what part numbers for some of the updated V2 parts are the same as the previous generation, the regular parts before the WC. For example, the new head block of the World Championship Edition shares the same part number as the previous Nick Maxwell Edition. So... Do do reach out to retailers when ordering to make sure that you're getting the latest, latest versions. Most retailers are aware of this and should make sure that you get the right ones. Definitely yeah, they're just rolling, they're rolling updates rather than coming out. They're not making the old part anymore is what that means. Yeah, so once those yeah. go out of stock, they'll have the new one. And that's been going on for a long time, the, v, the V2, if there's a new part. Like when they, when they were having, there was a new main shaft that came out and you couldn't just order the new main shaft. It was a rolling part number change rolling part change but the part number stayed the same yeah i feel like there was a big discussion about this we were trying to help somebody yeah it's like what's the part number for the new head and anyway the long the story same. short is it's the same as the old one they just yes yeah, so if yeah. you're really trying to get the other one you're going to contact them and maybe let the customer service compare for you and see if they have the correct the new one yeah can't speak for all retailers i think most have rotated their stock but 
it wouldn't hurt to check. Maybe the retailer yeah, I've had to do this before in the past with SAB when they released swashes that were updated with swash ball that was, you know, rebuilt and changed to the same way. I was trying to make a poor joke about sending in your crash helicopter. <laughs> but I don't think the retailer gets to do it. <laughs> Just send in your broken part and let them compare the yes. old new version. Yes. Do you think they're like uh, pulling off known good parts from these crash birds and reselling them as spares? <laughs> <laughs> what a Take scandal. Baggies. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, people. That's <laughs> you, not better, a you better put that out there. Yeah, that was a joke. Yeah, that is not a thing. It's a joke. Yeah. All right. In other news, Goose Guy has been making some more moves and announced this week they've picked up uh, Rasmus Jacobson as a factory pilot. So Rapson is a, Rasmus is a uh, talented competition pilot. He's based in Europe. Certainly a great addition to the team. Erasmus flew for Oxy for many, many years. And I've got no doubt it was not an easy decision to change teams. I know the Oxy guys are super loyal and love the brand, love Luca. But I'm sure Rasmus was just looking for, I don't know, something a little more currently readily available. While Oxy is in a little bit of, you know, transition with everything going on over there and trying to trying to get back up to speed. So certainly wish Goose Guy and Oxy all the best and congrats to Rasmus there. In other news, OMP Hobby and Mikado announced this week that they're now offering telemetry integration with OMP ESCs and the VBAR Neo flybarless units, which is very cool. So you can now receive telemetry on the Mikado system if you're flying V-Control from both the 65 and 85 amp ESCs from OMP. So, so no more current sensor? No more current sensor. Cool. Uh, but better than this, though, is that it features full integration. So you can do all your ESC setup from within your Mikado V-Control touch radio and on the entire line of V-Control transmitter. So it's not just the Evo, it's the touch, the classic, etc. So as always, you can find more info on this from Mikado on their vstabi.info website. And then lastly, for me, I just want to shout out Mark Ritchie and all the boys down under in Australia. Thanks for posting uh, photos of the Rotor Revolution podcast stickers from all the way down in Australia. So thanks for listening, all of you over in uh, Australia. That's super cool. So with that, it's time for this week's Rotor Replay. Yeah, I have a Rotor Replay mention. It's of Duncan Bosian. It was a Christmas flight. If you guys saw this, he was he's out in the snow. You know, can just see the backgrounds you know, totally snowy and he's out there flying around in his Christmas PJs. And at first, you know, I thought, okay, he's just going to do a quick little flight. You know, if you hung around long enough at the end of the flight, he actually <laughs> crashes the goose ski RS7. Oh no, you know, I didn't see down. this. Yeah. I hung around. I kept watching and kept watching. And then at the end he, he waves goodbye, but he crashes, he gets upside down. and was, was letting the blades dig into the snow real hard. And then finally it eats, it doesn't really, it didn't really hurt. It just kind of eats into the snow and flips over and, Turns around and waves goodbye. <laughs> it was kind of funny. <laughs> so that link nice. will be, is that a Facebook thing? I think it was on, maybe on his own page, I believe. Yeah, on Facebook. All right, okay. if we can, we'll go ahead and post a link to that on our Facebook page. Yeah, it's Should kind of funny. Know. At first, you just think it's a normal flight, but you got to hang around. I, I didn't expect him to actually go in with it because he had a custom canopy and tail and everything on there just with Christmas wrap design paint job on it, too. It's like a throwback. There was a throwback video posted I saw of that Kyle Dahl did years ago with like the heli canopy covered in wrapping paper. Yeah, um, I saw that come back up also. Yeah, that's kind of fun, a fun Christmas heli video too. 
Right on. Yeah, he's doing 3D around a Christmas tree and then opens up yep. a few gifts in there, you know, servos and speed controllers and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that was definitely one of the best like sponsor thanks videos I've ever seen. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was a neat idea. All right. Event news. Speaking of Down Under, or next to Down Under, we have some event news all the way from our listeners in New Zealand. So, Martin, sorry if I get your, your last name wrong here, but Martin Engelbrecht reached out to us to share an event he's helping to organize in New Zealand coming up in February. Now, I did try and get Martin to come on the show and record a little audio for us, but he chickened out and said it was better left to the professionals. But the event is a two-day event taking place in Stratford, New Zealand at the Platinum Lodge and Spa, which makes me wonder, can we go fly and then go get a massage? Because if so, I'm totally down. That would be amazing. <laughs> but uh, this, anyway, going to an event like that would be epic, an epic vacation. Right? You take the yeah. wife. She goes and gets a massage. I have no idea if the massage spa thing is open during this I event, so I shouldn't speak. Sorry, Martin, we're derailing already. But <laughs> that would be amazing if you could take your wife, send her to the spa while you go fly. I mean, it'd be just like what I did with the Disney thing, just a really long flight for us from the US. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a tough sell. Actually, it wouldn't yeah. be a tough sell with my wife. If, if she's like, are you paying for the tickets? And then we'd be gone. So the event is in February. It's the 24th and 25th of February, which incidentally, there was just a last minute date shift uh, very recently of the event due to some conflicts in the area with another helicopter event. So the correct dates are definitely February 24th and 25th. It is called the 2024 Mountain Rotors Fun Fly. They do have a Facebook uh, page, an event page that you can uh, find by searching for the Mountain Rotors Fun Fly. I think I want to follow that just to see the pictures. Right. The event is open to all ages and they emphasize, and it was great, they were super clear about this, that all skill levels are welcome. There's going to be two flight lines, one of which will be set up for flying micros, those who need some setup help or who want to do some hovering or initial setups kind of stuff. And then the other flight line will be your sort of more traditional fun fly flight line. There's going to be a number of fun competitions featured, such as the 30 second hover, sheep herding. That's a quote. I didn't make that what? up. Sheep herding. Now, Obviously, this is a New Zealand thing. <laughs> sheep herding? And, uh, it can't be actual sheep. It's got to be a helicopter-related game. So I'm, uh, I'm going to reach out to I would like to a clarification. And if this is a real thing, they need to do Facebook live streaming to of ask what this thing. Is. Yeah. So Mine would be parts herding. <laughs> herding up all the parts <laughs> from the crash. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, if they just wrote this to see if I would read it on the air, I'm going to send them some swag because that would be amazing. <laughs> if this is like a Ron Burgundy moment, we're like, let's write, we're going to do sheep herding. We need to herding. see this. Yeah, we, we want to understand what sheep herding is. So Martin, definitely let us know about that. Breaking news. This just in and breaking news. After much discussion as to what exactly this sheep herding game was, are they really just playing a prank on us? We hit them back up. And in Martin's own words, here's an explanation of what this sheep herding game is all about. So you have five foam cubes, about uh, three inches square. Um and you have a set of goalposts maybe uh, 10 feet away, and then you use the downdraft from the helicopter to blow them through the gate. Um, the most through the gate in the shortest amount of time wins. We have wrecked helicopters doing this. It is fantastic. So there you go. It seems some things are universal. Everybody loves a good crash. Thanks a lot, Martin. Now back to you, Nick. 
They're also discussing doing some further competition if there's interest. So they said it's competition flying based on the, quote, New Zealand model flying handbook, to which I Mm. ask, why don't we have a model flying handbook like New Zealand's got one? But my guess is it's sort of like AMA set maneuvers kind of thing. So both scale and 3D helipilots are certainly encouraged to attend. There's going to be demo flights around midday every day for the public to see and hopefully help land some new pilots. There's a link there to pre-register, which I'm sure they would appreciate it. And it looks like lunch is going to be included both ways. And there'll be an optional dinner on Saturday night at a local restaurant for an additional fee if you're interested. So if you're in New Zealand or nearby, definitely go visit Martin and Stephen, the event organizers, and uh, help support their event. I want to go to this event. I know, yeah, that would be amazing. Cool. That sounds cool, yeah. I want to go to the event. I want to do all the super nerdy, like, tour Lord of the Rings film locations in New Zealand. I want to see the the way to workshop, all of it. Yeah. Want to bring a Sheepdog 700 helicopter with me? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> Are you going to call it blue? <laughs> yeah. Sick them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the holidays have calmed us down. Is anyone angry this week? I'm not angry this week. Anybody mad? I have no rotor rage. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I have no rotor rage happiness. My my rotor rage is that I need to calm myself down and not be so addicted (laughs) to flying. (laughs) You just need heli Prozac. Yeah. Um, All right. We're going to get like cabin fever, though, from not being able to go outside Mm -hmm. because of the rain. Oh, I know. I know. Winter is coming, as they say. All right. With that, that's... That's it for the news this week. Happy heli sheep herding. And (laughs) that's it for the news. Any further news items you want us to share, especially if you have awesome event news with super fun things for us to talk about, email us over at questions at rotorevolution.live or hit us up on our Facebook page. This is Meninito with BK Hobbies. And you are listening to the Roto Revolution. All right. So next up, we have kind of a fun segment. And I will say the podcast is very quickly shifting from what started as sort of my podcast and my vision to becoming our podcast, which I love genuinely. But this first guest is someone I picked out right out of the gate. I knew that I wanted it to be the show's first guest. And mostly it's because I wanted this show to be a lot of things that people didn't expect. I wanted to pick a team that maybe people didn't see coming. I wanted to cover topics that weren't covered elsewhere. I just wanted to do things differently. And I wanted to pick a first guest that no one would expect that I would choose. And because of my maybe outspoken opinions in the past, maybe not being a huge fan of gas powered helicopters, I thought, Who better to talk to than the man as far as gaspoweredhelicopters.go? In fact, the man owns gaspoweredhelicopters.com, and I'm super excited to have one of the, well, just kind of a wonderful guy in the hobby who pours his heart and soul into innovation and bringing people into this, you know, very specific genre of the hobby. We've got Mr. Kerry Shirley with gaspoweredhelicopters.com. So, Gary Shirley, welcome uh, to the Rotor Revolution. We're, we're uh, very happy to have you here. 
Hey guys, great to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Kerry. Yep. So we all know you obviously as the man behind gaspoweredhelicopters.com, but some of our listeners maybe who fly electrics or nitros may not know as much about you. So we'd love to hear just kind of a little bit of your background. So going way back, how did you get started in the hobby? Like what, what, how did your journey into helicopters begin? So my very first RC model was when I was 15 years old. I got a um, Lanier Slow Comet. And I don't know if you were, I don't know if any of you even know who Lanier was. I mean, they no, were, never they were the it. first at ARF kind of pre-built models. They, uh, they were molded plastic, basically. I had and, a Lanier plane if it's the same company. Eh, it could be. Um, they're not around anymore. They were out of, they were actually out of Atlanta, I think. Uh, at any rate, uh, that was my very first model, and uh, it flew once and then crashed, and then that was the end of that. And I played around with airplanes for a while. And then, uh, lo and behold, I opened uh, RC Modeler Magazine, and here was a Cavan Jet Ranger. And man, was that thing beautiful. I loved it. And th- we're talking, you know, this is 1970 1976 i mean they had just come out with a gyro that would work and uh it, it was fly barless actually but this was hmm. before fly barless was was a thing and really worked all that well but it was a very difficult model to build because it was all fiberglass and you know i'm a kid so i don't know anything about how to do this a little a couple of years later they came out with an alouette which was uh, all plastic and metal and aluminum and steel and ran on uh, a 40-size engine. And I got one of those, and I got it built. And lo and behold, I never even got it to run, much less to fly. So this was, this was a very frustrating uh, entry into helicopters. A couple of years later, though, Dubro came out with the Shark. And the very first Shark model was actually a gas-powered model, which I did not have because it was seriously underpowered. Uh, A little bit later, though, they came out with a 60-size Glow version, and I did get that one, and it would fly. I crashed it, I don't many, 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 many times because it was fixed pitch. And I don't know if you've ever flown a fixed pitch helicopter, but you got to really lead all the controls because of the the response time and yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. So I crashed it a lot. Um, I kept that model and up until about uh, 10 years ago. I actually built it and flew it again with a gyro and, and upgraded servos. And it, I landed hard and it damaged it and I threw it away. But at any rate, that was my introduction into helicopters. And um, Schluter out of Germany started making you know, more commercialized helicopters and miniature aircraft here in Florida was carrying them. And I eventually got what's called a Helistar, which was a a fly barless collective pitch helicopter. Learned to fly it around, do some maneuvers. Later got what they called a Champion, which was an upgraded version. And eventually miniature introduced the XL, which, you know, today's made in Germany. But Back then, it was made right here, and uh, that was that. Man, if you had an XL helicopter, you had the Cadillac. That thing flew great. It was uh, mechanically sound. Didn't crash well, but it was it was a great helicopter. 
These were so, more all uh, scale looking things, right? Not like what we have today where it's this 3D no, machine. It was, it was, no, they were pod and boom machines. Uh, okay. uh, the difference was they had vacuum formed canopies. They were two piece vacuum form. You had to glue them together. and Yeah, the plastic down the middle like. Yeah, you could paint them from the inside like an RC car, car body. So that it was pretty easy to, to make it look nice without really having any painting skills. But um, yeah, my friend still has one of the XL kits and it looks more modern. Definitely back then, I'm sure that was like the one to have, like you said, because it looks a lot more like what you see today, but fly barred. Yeah. yeah, I remember the the magazine ads for the XL helicopters. I was flying sailplanes at that point, but man, that was those are the magazine ads that I said, I got to fly helicopters one day. And it took me a lot of years to get there, but uh, they well, looked awesome. Something like that hanging in the 90s at a RC shop or a hobby shop that I saw. Mm-hmm. That style. Yeah, if you, had a, if you had a miniature aircraft catalog, which I still have one of the original color ones, man, you go through that thing. It had every model, professional photographs, all the parts, all the details. It was like... Uh, you know, it was like heli porn, big time. Yeah. <laughs> this is before the Fury and things like that, right? This was pre-Fury, yeah. Okay. A couple of years later, they came out with what was called the, the Pro, which was what they used for FAI competition. And I eventually got a couple of the Pro 2Ks, which were out in the year 2000. And I had two of those things, and those were the best flying helicopters, man. I could fly both of them on one one program in the in the uh, radio. All you had to do was twiddle the idle a little bit. Other than that, they flew perfectly, and I actually did uh, some competition in uh, the AMA classes for a couple of years. That was a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, to to succeed in competition, you got to fly every day, every day, multiple times every day. Because the people you're flying against are doing that, and if you don't, yeah. they will they yeah. will cream you bad. I think you ha- <laughs> I think we still have to remember that as weekend warriors or things like that. That the people that are doing the things that are they're doing now fly a lot more than the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. At any rate, a couple of years later, miniature aircraft came out with the gas graphite, which was basically their. XL helicopter with a Zenoa 23cc engine in it. So I got one of those and um, played with it quite a bit, did some changes, got it working right, and actually competed again in the, AM- the AMA classes with that uh, as well. I was the only person in the world probably doing that because it, uh, it was heavy and slow, but man, did it handle the wind well. That thing would hover no matter what the wind was. Wow. So, you know, I flew flew that for quite a while, and um, about 10 years ago, I had an opportunity to um, work with a guy in Australia named Joey Chan. He is the JC and JCD, who had designed a conversion for a Goblin, because the Goblin 700 was was hot then. And he was looking for a way to distribute it in the United States. So he and I partnered up. And since then, we've been through about 10 conversions and all sorts of gizmos and gadgets. And uh, actually, did you meet him? uh, He had posted in Heli Freak. And uh, he said, here, you know, here's my 
here's my gas goblin conversion. And I immediately uh, started talking to him about, hey, maybe I can uh, maybe I can work with you on this. Before okay, that, so about, the, about the only thing that was around for conversions was a, uh, a company called Helibug, if you remember them. Yeah. And uh, I had several of their conversions. Uh, and they're, they're very durable. They, they had some idiosyncrasies about them. But um, he finally went out of business. I think he's trying to come back. I don't know if he will or not. But I just realized... Um, I just realized yesterday that 2024 will be my 10th year in, in this business. That was one of my questions. I didn't know how long gaspowertelicopters.com had been around. Yeah. 20, uh, 2014 was our first year. That's when we produced the, the gas goblin. And, uh, since then we got a whole boatload of them. What, uh, what made you decide to create the store and and get into this, right? So you see this, this post on heli freak, but what made you decide like, Hey man, I should start an online shop and, and yeah, Sell gas conversions. Well, uh, it was really driven out of the fact that I couldn't, I couldn't get enough of the the gas goblins. I mean, the first run of them was twenty, and they sold out like in a week. And so, uh, clearly, there was a there was a there was a um, a market for it. And so, I had to learn pretty quickly about well, how do you manufacture this stuff? Because I'd never manufactured any of it, so. Had to find vendors and and get all the parts made. That was a somewhat. Uh, so you're helping Joey get a manufactured also. So the way it works is um, Joey does the entire design and provides all the engineering drawings, and then I have it manufactured and kitted uh, either here in the United States or it's going to get kitted here in the United States. It may be manufactured all over wherever I can find a vendor to do it. They've they've certainly gotten a lot more complex since the original Goblin. So, are you packing the kits yourself? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And you also yeah, are doing all the manuals yourself as well, right? Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm working on the Tron one right now. Right on. Nice. Now that that grew out of uh, I spent some time with Miniature Aircraft. I did a number of their manuals for the Stratus and the Spectra and um um. A couple more. I think that did the ion and several of them. That's really where I kind of learned how to make that work. And uh, I've just followed that model since then. The manuals are actually very good. Um, and if you build one and then you send carry a message that says, this isn't working right. He goes, you have to read the manual. And <laughs> <laughs> because, because I had done this where uh, when we built my, when I did my first goblin conversion, there was a, a bearing, a block with a bearing in it, and I installed it upside down, and I kept getting play, and I kept messaging Caring, say it's wrong, it's wrong, and he went, it's in the manual, it's right, and he was right, it was upside down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've told more than one person that. <laughs> I mean, the manuals are good. You're, they are, they are good. So that's awesome. Uh, Carrie, I've heard you did considerable testing on your dyno. Tell us why and how you developed that dyno and how it works for you. Do you share your dyno graphs with people also? So the the dyno was made uh, by a company called Hewitt Dynos. Uh, I actually don't know if he's still in business or not. Um, it grew out of the fact that gas helicopter engines have been a mystery. You know, everybody touted, oh, look how much power my engine makes. and I've got the most powerful one in the world and this and that. And there were actually a couple of 
for lack of a better term, hucksters who were out there taking people's money for something that wasn't really what they said it was. So nowhere was there ever any objective data about what what do you got here? So I discovered this guy named Hewitt who makes these dinos for all sorts of engines. And so I posed the question to him, can you make one for this? And I actually sent him an engine and he built it. So you've probably seen a picture of it. It's a it's a huge heavy thing that's pretty bulky. It 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 will test engines far bigger than than what we're running here, but nonetheless it has proven to be highly reliable and highly repeatable. I've I've redone tests that I did a year ago or 2 years ago and I get the same results. So yeah, so they kind of yeah, tuned cool. it for the particular engines correct that you're using. Cool. Exactly. And uh, the the software is uh, from a company called Performance uh, Performance Enterprises, I think it is. Uh, they they make commercial dyno software. So, um, what I did was take the existing engines and start to run dyno tests with them to understand where's where's it making power and how much power is it making. It became invaluable about three or four years ago because uh, my main supplier of engines, TRM, his shop burned down. So he couldn't make oh, engines man. anymore and um, wasn't sure if he was going to make engines anymore. So I was looking around for somebody else. Where can I get engines? So I started talking to O'Neill Brothers. You know, they make uh, RC car engines. And um, they didn't know anything about helicopter engines at all. It's like, we don't know. We don't know how to make this. So I spent about a year and a half uh, with them sending engines back and forth, doing testing on this dyno until we got something that would work and ran properly in helicopters. And that's that's where we are today. That uh, that that a lot of that testing is 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 waiting at the crank and things like that. Right. You're you're looking for smoothness. More than power, I think, at the beginning. Yeah, that first we first thing we did was shoot for power at the right RPM, and then come back for okay, it's it's vibrating too much. And I've actually got ceramic vibration sensors that I can I can tell what we're wow. doing. If, if wow. it makes a difference, I can graph it and see it, and nice. I can tell between engines. You know, where where is it vibrating? Is it vibrating more or less than the others, etc. I mean, I think. I think the engine development's been, I mean, not only key to how gas power keeps progressing, but it's it's cool that this is happening because nitro is more popular overall, but we're all still flying the same engine. That, there's really been no progress in a long time, and these the gas powered engines are still getting better and better. It's really it's cool. Oh yeah, that we're it's not happening. we're not done. There's more stuff coming. Yeah, we won't we won't get into that, but there's more stuff coming. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> I like hearing that. It's co- it's cool seeing the progression, and I think a lot of that progression is really due to you, also, Carrie. Is it not? Uh, well, you know, all the work has been done literally by TRM and OBR. Uh, I I work kind of in partnership with them and am able to provide uh, objective data to them, which you know they don't necessarily have. I mean, OBR's got lots of dynos, but again, they don't have any idea how it works with a helicopter because they don't have helicopter people. Right. Yeah, I've so, noticed I've called over there before and they've gone, they're interested in hearing your experience. Yeah, um, I, I think it, I just look at it as a partnership. 
certainly no expert at, at, at two cycle tuning. These guys are the experts. Uh, they know how to, to modify parts in a way where they will be durable. I mean, there's a lot of modifications in these engines. That's why they're so expensive. There's a ton of work going into the crankshafts and the and the pistons and the cylinders, and almost all of it is manually done. So, hey, Kerry. So we know you've got the dyno, and you've been developing some new mufflers and tuned pipes and things like that. You want to tell us about those? Yeah, sure. Our mufflers are made by Muffler Studio in Japan. The I actually didn't that, know what MS Studio M Studio stood for. M yeah, Studio. Muffler yeah, M Studio is actually Muffler Studio. And the guy that makes them used to work for Hattori. So that's why they are okay. of such high quality because he helped make Hattori pipes. Oh, and cool. he nice. obviously knows how to make, make them make power. So once again, I've partnered with another vendor who's an expert at what they do. And we get prototypes and we test them against our engines and provide feedback and he makes adjustments and we go back and forth until we're happy with what we got. And every time we introduce a new version, we get a little more power out of it. Somewhere so you're dynoing the them also. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Everything, anything that has to do with engines, I'm going to dyno it multiple times on multiple engines. Just to understand. What Are you able doing. to dyno the nitro stuff also? Not yet. Uh, okay. I am working on getting a a gizmo, if you will, that I can I can at least ch- test the GT15s because they've they've never been tested with any for anybody. Oh, okay. But once I have that, I mean, glow engines will it's the same format, so right, so it it would work. So uh, then, if a manufacturer wanted to have their muffler tested or engine tested they could essentially contact you and yeah, pay you could. something maybe yeah, yeah if they wanted to i don't know I, most, of want stuff to. Is, most of that stuff is most of that stuff is secret if we you may will. we may want you to just to <laughs> tell us i was gonna say i think we could community fund that with a GoFundMe yeah, for nitro testing figure out the ultimate you know most i heard you mention pipe. earlier about the graphing and do i publish that i do in fact provide those graphs publicly but I will not publish the actual power or torque numbers with them. And there's a specific reason for that is there are those, there are those in the community who like to dispute everything. And as you know, dyno numbers are easily manipulated. It's uh, it's not that hard to make it give you any number you want. Now, what I've done is I've got a, a repeatable configuration that I use every time and the system has weather correction for temperature and humidity, so that's a non-issue. And as a result of that, like I said earlier, I, I've rerun tests that I had from a year or two ago and get the same result. So I'm comfortable that the power numbers we produce are good. I just won't publish them because it serves no purpose. The, the real value that I provide with those is I, I'm able to demonstrate to customers if you want the maximum power for your helicopter, here's where it is on the RPM scale. So you know what your gearing uh, is. You know yeah, what your right settings are. You set your RPM where you want in that power curve. Now, mostly mostly what we recommend is you, you set your RPM for slightly above the maximum as the curve starts to go down so that as you load the, the, the head, it pulls back into maximum power. 
you lose a few RPM, but nonetheless, you don't, you it don't stays get in a, the power. still have a lot of torque. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get a lot of bogging. Who's doing the new tuned pipe that you've got? Is that M studios also, or is that you? With someone no, else? that's another vendor. That's a new vendor. DRT performance is actually making those. They make car pipes and, um, okay. As you've seen, they uh, they do a good job of welding that stuff. Yeah, it looks great. How does yeah. that yeah, conversation I'm, I'm, go the first time where you call these people and you're like, so we fly these toy helicopters and you make these cool <laughs> pipes for this? Like OBR. <laughs> yeah, they, they, some of those can be kind of funny. <laughs> Every now and then I, 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 I talk to a vendor that, I was getting grommets from, and I told them the name of the business, and they're like, well, we're not going to sell you these. We're, these aren't certified for FAA use in a helicopter. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. It's a model. It's okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nobody's going to get in it. It doesn't have to be certified. No, and most of these people see it as an opportunity to, to, to sell into a market that they don't currently control. So they've all been good partners. Sure. That's awesome. So, Carrie, I know you alluded to some changes coming up in the future that you can't share in terms of engine improvements, but can you describe some of the, the more recent engine improvements and the direction you think things may go, if you can share anything? So, mostly what we're going to see are, are, Im, are increased displacements, which obviously will result in more power. The exhaust systems that I have have been tested with larger displacement engines and, in fact, have greater differential power than than with the smaller displacements, which kind of makes sense. But there's some opportunities to to simply have more power with eh, marginally more weight. It's not going to be a lot more weight, but obviously bigger engine weighs a bit more. Our the the biggest thing I got on the horizon right now is the, the release of this tune pipe, and I think Alex has done some testing with it and. I think it's saw super pretty, nice. de- pretty decent improvement yeah. in power with it. It makes fantastic power. It's a, it's at least comparable to to other tune pipes on the market. So, C- can you share how much more power it makes than the regular muffler? Generally, or, uh, about percentage. <laughs> generally, those the tune pipe will add about a horsepower. I mean, that's wow. a well, that's a ton. Yeah, yeah that sounds yeah, significant. I, I, I won't I won't get into the relative comparison there, at least on on the record, but it's about a horsepower. Yeah. It can be a little bit more depending on you know a variety of things. Uh, one of the things I'm asked often while we're out at events and, and different things like that is why we're not running methanol or why we're not running and utilizing high high octane gasoline and things like that. And the answer that I give them is that the timing is fixed and we don't have the ability to advance the timing. Do you want to kind of clarify some of those? These engines sure are not high compression, questions. so there's really not much value in raising the octane level. In fact, it'll mostly just run hotter. You really won't see much difference in power. And I did comparisons on the dyno between lantern fuel, which is very low octane, and regular gasoline. In some cases, depending on the engine, lantern fuel made more power. Hmm. Oh, I didn't realize that. Interesting. That's just something that people come up to me at fun flies or events and and ask why have we not done this? Well, when, on the subject of methanol, I would say why? Because you're going to double or triple the fuel usage because it's a big, you know, it's a big displacement engine, and 
okay, so I just made a glow engine that weighs two pounds more than a, than a 91 or a 105. So why, <laughs> yeah, why did yeah. I do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair. That's cool. So you got lots of stuff cooking over at gaspoweredhelicopters.com. I've been seeing pictures of a Tron conversion. There's raw conversions in multiple sizes now. Kind of what's new in the gas heli world for 2024? What, what's going to be commercially available next year? Well, last year we released the Super G, which is the mid-engine version of the RAW. And right at the end of the year, we we introduced both a RAW 580 and a Kraken 580 for the GT15 engine. What we'll have for 2024 will be a Tron 7 conversion, which you guys saw over my shoulder, and there are pictures of it on, on the, the Facebook page. I'm, as I said, working on the manual for that, and we'll have kits soon. Yeah, I saw that motor looks pretty high up in there. The CG looks like it'd be pretty good on that kit. How is that laid out, and how much work did that take to develop that frame? Well, it's actually, it's almost identical to our Super G conversion in terms of the layout of it. So a lot of the drivetrain was already worked out. The, the cylinder and crank case are almost in perfect alignment with the tail boom and that's really the center of the weight of the engine so that's about as good of cg as we're going to get yeah but them put up in there when they roll or you're doing aileron tiktoks and things like that with the the bottom loaded ones or when when the engine was on the bottom you could kind of see it, it wouldn't bobble but it might lag a little bit when it stopped rolling and these are much sharper with them up on there are there any other 700 size specific developments that are new or currently going on right now? Well, not from me. Other manufacturers have some pretty slick stuff coming out. The guys from Blackout Mods are working on a you know carbon fiber one piece or two piece chassis. That's I'm sure you've seen pictures of it. It's very very slick and fancy. It uh, is fancy. I don't know what else you know may be coming out. It, to my knowledge, as I sit here right now. You know, the Tron will be the model we introduce in 2024, and the rest of my focus will be on power plants. Nice. Okay. The power plant thing sounds exciting to me. That's Man, wild. I'm impressed the, the the level of dedication to invest in a dyno with ceramic vibration sensors and, and all of the equipment and the fact that you're going back and verifying testing from the past to make sure it's staying consistent. I mean, that's a level of dedication in the hobby. That's uh, it's impressive. That's very cool. I'm fascinated by that. Well, I used to be in the IT industry, so I'm, I'm somewhat detail oriented. And as I said, in the past, there have been a number of, for lack of a better term, hucksters in the gas helicopter market that convinced people to spend a lot of money for things that didn't work properly. And as a result, the platform kind of got a bad name. And, you know, I found that disappointing. So I've done everything I can to turn that around. Now, like everybody else in the hobby industry, there's no money to be made in this. If you think I'm, you think I'm getting rich selling these things, it ain't happening. Mostly what I'm, I'm pretty happy if we can either break even on a model or produce enough profit to fund the next project, whatever that is. But in terms of, hey, look at all this money I'm making, that ain't happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want, I want to bring up, you mentioned or touched on reliability. And when I got 
I, I only got into gassers a handful of years ago. So I did not have the experience with the unreliable models, but my Super G and my Goblin conversion have been outstandingly reliable from the just flying standpoint. Very low maintenance. I have videos that I've taken of me doing different vibration tests and stuff like that, just using the V-bar vibration analyzer, and they're very low. They're great. Yeah, we that was a, a big area of focus on the engine development is try to get as little vibration as possible. I mean, it's a single cylinder engine. There's only so much you can do and you know, they're turning pretty fast, but clearly we've made a lot of improvements in that area. And again, I rely on TRM and OBR to, to, to make those things happen. I just provide feedback in terms of real data that, that they use to, to use their knowledge to figure out what to do about it. And it's, it's combinations of porting and compression and weights that make that happen. Another question I had is, why are the 550 and 600 size helicopters getting more popular as gassers? Like we saw the miniature aircraft come out with one this year, and then you have the raw 580 conversion. And how do those compare to nitro counterparts? The engine is designed around also, the, I guess that's the well, GT. Yeah, we, we use the OSGT-15, which that engine's been out for five or six years now. It's had a fairly troubled background. I spent a lot of time working with OS engines on what can be improved. They, they've been very interested in making changes to it. And the engine now is fairly reliable. It does not make the power of a, you know, a strong 55-60 engine. They, they make less power than that. The upside, though, is they make enough, and the thing will fly for 25 minutes. Yeah, the, the just enough power and less fuel consumption, so it's still attractive. Yeah. I was really happy to see miniature aircraft come out with the Interceptor because that will bring, I think, the platform into more of a mainstream market, whereas we've offered, you know, I had a 580 conversion three or four years ago. I'd have to look back the exact date, but we've had... Goblin 580 conversions for that engine for for quite a while, and we did a Synergy 556 before they folded up, and you know now we've got the raw and Kraken conversions as well. Is that GT15 engine based on the 105 or a 90 size nitro? The case is an is a 90 size case. So the upside is. If you don't want to put a GT15 in one of these conversions, well, you can put a 90, 90 or a 105 in them, and people have, and they're animals. Yeah, I know Doug had a 580 with a 105 in it using your <laughs> conversions. So. Yeah, Rob McClellan has a, we did an Oxy 5 conversion, and uh, Rob McClellan put a 105 in it, and it, it's, an, it's an ape. <laughs> That's wild. So, I, get, I really... The the reason that people are choosing, Carrie, like, why don't you get into this? The the cost of fuel and stuff like that. That's the reason, or that's part of the reason for the gas thing, right? And not just that, but it doesn't have the muck of all the oil that's spewing out from the the pipe all the time. Yeah, they're much cleaner, and and today, I mean, the the fuel differential is incredible. You know, typical. Typical glow fuel is somewhere between thirty-five and fifty dollars a gallon, maybe more, depending on where you are. I pay whereas, 60, yeah. Whereas if you're if you're willing if you want to run gasoline, which I won't run because the smell, there's the gasoline has become so boutique because of all the EPA stuff that 
it, it just smells. And I keep all my models in the house. So you bring it in from flying and just stinks the whole house up. But if you use lantern fuel, there is no smell. So that's why I do that. But either, yeah, even Coleman with that, that. Yeah, even lantern fuel is nine or 10 bucks a gallon now. So, and you'll get much longer flight times from the same amount of fuel. And that's, that's, to me, that's really the, the big drawing point is you can fly for a long time for not that much money. And because of the, the way the power is delivered, you'll actually become a better pilot because you're going to have to have better collective management techniques than with, you know, a 14 horsepower electric where it doesn't matter. Unless you're running a tune pipe. And then it doesn't matter. <laughs> In which case it's better. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the tune pipes and the, and the noise those makes, I know there's been a number of strides in the gasser world to try and make them appeal maybe to folks like myself who, you know, we're just not big fans of the sound of the gasser helicopters. What, what developments have happened in the last year or two that are doing a lot to sort of curve that? And are they getting more in line with the sound of a nitro at this point in terms of volume level? Well, you know, I think I'll defer to uh, to Alex on that because Alex spends a lot of time flying these things around other people. So I'll let him comment on that. I mean, the tune pipe that that I've been running for the most part from Quick Draw is divisive. You either love it or hate it. The new one that Carrie has at the last event, I had a lot of people tell me they really like the tone of it. It's a different tone. It's not as high pitched, ringy as the other ones. And in my opinion, the regular muffler is it, it's it's not any louder than a regular nitro. We've done. Doug and I, if you want to look on our YouTube page, there's a decibel level test where we actually use a def- we're using our phone's decibel meter. But we did hovering at the same out- altitude and same distance along with some aileron TikToks and different maneuvers and things like that just to see what the decibel levels are. They're actually similar. Um, mm-hmm. And then Yeah, the new- it seems like the pitch and tone is starting to get better on them for sure. Yeah. The new mufflers sound a whole lot better. I think it just depends if any... If any fuel helicopter is just sitting out there in front of you hovering, that drone gets annoying. If you see one out there actually flying around and, and doing some cool maneuvers, I think it, it sounds pretty good when it's changing tone and things like that. And it's not, sh- not just that that solid noise. I'm sorry. I've got something in my throat. Sorry, <laughs> right, Don't die. He's getting all um, teary-eyed over gas. I, I know. Right uh, Alex on video right now is delightful. I just love it <laughs> so See what much. you did? <laughs> Uh, an interesting so what, what? an interesting note about sound, you would probably be surprised how much noise comes from the engine itself in the intake side. There's I mean, there's there's clearly noise coming from the exhaust, but I've done experiments where I've I've done things that make that much quieter. And it's still very loud because the, the engine itself is making noise, and especially if you've got the carburetor facing you. The intake sound is not quiet. Yeah, like I've the noticed filter that intake and the cone shapes louder. can change that quite a bit. There's just so much that can be done that before you start impacting the power. And since one of our goals is to get as much power as we possibly can, we've kind of made trade-offs with sound for that. But to Alex's point, glow engine these big glow engines are not quiet. They make a lot of noise. Yeah, it's true. It's different tone and pitch, but it's true. Um, Nick, I'm bringing my gas to the next fun fly we go to. So you can. 
I gotta say, if I were to ever do a gasser, I feel like this this OS GT15, I don't find the sound of that bothersome at all. So I think that's probably where I would start, which which brings me actually to the, the next question. If someone is thinking about getting into a gas-powered helicopter, what's the best first gas-powered helicopter? Let's assume they can already fly. They have some basic experience. Well, where, what's the best kit or model size or engine size that you would recommend to them if they called you up, Kerry? Well, I would if you have no experience with a gas helicopter whatsoever, I would probably recommend, but you can fly, I would probably recommend a 700 size where you're using one of these Zenoa engines because they're more forgiving, they're more durable, and you're going to have a better better power ratio in terms of what you're going to see in terms of flying. Mostly, mostly it's about operational convenience. The GT15 is working okay, but it is you got to know what you're doing. I would not recommend that as a first gas model for anybody, for that matter. Particularly if you don't know how to fly, that that would be a real problem. Yeah. Any particular kit you'd recommend? If you have brand loyalty, you're probably going to want to do some kind of conversion. If you don't care, the only there's only one company that makes an out of the box gas helicopter, and that's Miniature Aircraft. They're their whiplash gas is the only model outside of Vario, maybe, which Vario is kind of irrelevant these days. Whiplash is the only out-of-the-box gas helicopter you can buy. Everything else is a conversion of some sort. Makes obviously, sense. Right, cool. uh, obviously, if you want to do, if, if you're brand, brand loyal to a line, you'll probably look at a blackout, blackout kit because he focuses a lot on XL power and a line. If you're looking at uh, SAB, you're going to get one of our kits. Are yeah, you guys kind of divided up where Blackout Mods is doing a line and XL and you're doing, well, now Tron and SAB and you've done Protoss in the past also. Exactly. Yeah, we've been pretty successful at trying to divide up what we do so we're not stepping on each other's feet. You're hopefully not overcrowding we, the market space. Yeah, hopefully we can continue to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually didn't know that. That's that's interesting. It's nice that there aren't, you know, two kits for, you know, the same conversion or whatnot. Yeah, the market's not big enough for that kind of stuff. There's been some other brand conversions that have come out, but I feel like, at least in the United States, these are the two primary ones that you see. So, Carrie, anything as we come to a close here that you want to say to the hobby? Floor's yours. Anything you want to throw out to the community or share specifically about gas-powered helicopters? Well, as I said earlier, we're about to start our 10th year in business, and I would like to say thank you to all of our customers and potential customers for supporting us over the years. You've enabled us to progress the hobby by working with some really smart people around the world, actually, and having great people like Alex and Doug and Tom and some other people who provide great feedback and can make better use of the platform than I can. And in terms of a pilot, I'm a, I'm a horrible pilot. I don't fly that much. And my background is all in competition type flying, which is not what the market wants to do these days. So I rely a lot on, on people like Alex to, to provide feedback as to, you know, where, where we're going with this stuff. But I just like to thank, you know, the, the, our customer base and the community as a whole for supporting us and, embracing the technology i'd like to keep it going as long as i can 
as I mentioned earlier, we've got more things down the pike as as mainstream manufacturers introduce new helicopters we'll evaluate whether or not it makes sense to to do a conversion for them and try to keep the platform growing and you know keep increasing the power level which which makes everybody happy absolutely awesome. i want to add i have one more thing i want to add i'm sorry that Don't be. We're, we're we're ending here but before we close Carrie, one of the questions that I contacted with you before was, why are we not using the the raw nitro as a conversion kit? And you, you could probably say the same thing about the Tron Dynamic and using that lighter frame instead of the full head and tail size of the, the full electric conversion. Do you want to explain that to people? Because I know you get that question fairly often. Yeah, it's all about the, the rotor head. The Most of the the newer nitro models are using... 600 class rotor heads and because of the extra weight I, I just don't want to go down that path the electrics are proven they are overbuilt for the kind of power we're delivering it's safe so, so far it really has all, to do with not wanting to bend main shafts in flight correct right? yeah I, I, I don't want to i don't want to be worried about failure of parts we don't manufacture and so far, we have had no failures of any part of any of our models that we've ever produced. We've we've not had to replace anything. Nick's over here knocking on what what is plastic, not wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've we've not had to introduce new parts or re-engineer anything uh, yeah. because it just works. So, just wanted to clarify that because I've had people ask me, and I know when I first got into this, that was the first thing I asked you: was why are you not using the lighter material helicopter? Yeah, I, I don't want to go down that path. I I I want to I want to err on the side of safety. I think for good reason. It it is a little bit more weight in those those small main yeah, shafts. The airframe probably wouldn't pain. handle it well as as the seven hundred size. I don't think yeah. so. Oh, that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. I've been a couple of models that that used really lightweight platforms, and there were there were issues associated with that. Not not something we've done, but I know there were some out in the market. Yeah, I don't want a brand name, but they would explode in flight. <laughs> Yikes. So, Carrie, I want to give you a little chance, too, to talk a little bit about your website. Obviously, you sell gas conversions. There, Do you also sell motors, pipes? What, what, uh, what all can someone find on your website? Well, what we tried to provide was everything you would need to get your gas helicopter built and flying. So, obviously, we offer conversions. When I have them in stock, I have the whiplash as well. So that's a complete helicopter. We have engines, we have exhaust systems, we have all sorts of engine accessories, sensors for your governors that are unique or applicable across all the platforms, different kinds of tools, uh, oils, uh, kind of anything that somebody might need that doesn't want to go foraging to find this stuff. What I've done over time was identify what makes the most sense for any individual item. Like, for example, uh, we offer a plumbing kit. And if you're, if you're building a, a conversion or just trying to put together a gas helicopter, well, you know, there's a bunch of little bits you need, certain types of tubing and certain types of pickups and fuel fittings and whatever. And you can find that stuff. You'll just wind up shopping at five or six different places. Or you can just buy my plumbing kit, and it's all in one bag. Nice. I've just tried to make it easier for people to to not have something to complain about. 
Well, I know if you have tuning questions or if you have building questions, you can always ask Kerry. He's super helpful. But I know people message Doug all the time and I fly them all. So I'd be happy to answer questions if someone's building a gasser and wants to know. Yeah. Speaking of that, Kerry, if someone does want to get a hold of you, what's what's the best way for them to do so? Is it through the website or? They can email me at kerry.shirley at gaspoweredhelicopters.com or they can message me via our Facebook page at Gas Powered Helicopters. Or they can contact me through the website, which is store.gaspoweredhelicopters.com. Guys, anything else for Kerry before we let him go? No, just thank you for coming on, Kerry. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks very much. I really appreciate it. Super you fun guys. hanging out at Torches Winter Bash this year. Yes. Good. I'm glad you had a good time. Yeah, it was great to get a, a few minutes to visit there. I totally also want to say congratulations on 10 years. That's a big achievement in, the, in our small hobby. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm pleased. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, Kerry. We really appreciate it. Thanks again, guys. Thank you. Hey, hey Nick or Kenny. Yep. What what sound does a nitro helicopter make when it flies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something bad so, like that. So, so does a gasser sound like I made it sound when I said it? I don't know. Two or three episodes ago, or does it sound the same? <laughs> you got a little better at it this time, I think. <laughs> there is something to those tuned pipes. Like some of them are high pitch, some of them are lower pitch. You know, and the the regular looking pipe has a different sound. Also, it's not the same as a nitro, but it's not as quiet as a nitro, just audibly. You know, just listening. Even if the I don't decibels think you usually see someone flying a nitro. This is mean. Someone flying a nitro like it's just some scale bird. And you see a lot of guys flying gassers like it's just some scale bird sometimes. We had this in dirt bikes. Like there's a Cobra 50, it's called. It's like a four Russia to eight year old attacked. dirt bike. And it runs on like a slipper clutch. So when these guys, the kids ride these dirt bikes in a stadium, it does the same thing like the gas helicopter does. The motor stays steady when they floor it. Mm-hmm. So you hear that rant, rant, like a yeah. smooth, and that's what the the gas helicopter is doing that because if you think of the nitro and you're producing so much power when you go down and then pull back up, a lot of times the, the nitro is actually letting off, yeah. you know, and you hear on and off sounds, but the gasser is consistently, it's a lot more consistent at the RPM held there. I think that's why it has a lot different sound also, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This just makes me want to pull the audio of you doing your gasser impression and put it on a button on my desk right now. (laughs) 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 Anyway, we've just wrapped our interview with Kerry Shirley, truly a gentleman in the hobby. And the the thing I love most about him that I learned more about today that I didn't know, I didn't know he had a dyno. I didn't realize Mm -hmm. the extent and thoroughness of testing. Really and then he cool. goes back and verifies his testing a year later. Like he's really doing it the right way. Um, when you buy the engine, it comes with the dyno graph so you can see where the power is in the RPM. So you can set your, your governor based on where you want to fly. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. that's, that's really wild. And he's uh, not saying you can't fly at a higher RPMs. It's just showing you where the power is. You can see it. Pretty cool. But it is exciting that there are still those developments coming and it's not stagnant. Not that the nitro community is stagnant with all the new mufflers and everything coming out, but there hasn't been a new engine come out in a long time. Yeah. No, it's, it's, 
don't know. I just like seeing people that are excited about a niche in the hobby that are actively working with manufacturers to convince them to develop new things for a small niche of the hobby. I mean, we're not talking selling thousands of units here. We're talking selling no 100 units or yeah. you know, hundreds, maybe, if you're lucky. Uh, yeah, I've been in the same position like you were, Nick, where I thought about getting the OS engine. But then, like Carrie said, you know, it's it might be harder to tune because that one's one you don't really want to overheat it. And it's not going to produce the same power. But it sounds like what he said is the best way is just to go ahead and dive into a bigger one. So it's safer and easier to tune, I guess. And it looks more appealing each year, too. You know, it's getting better and better. I think part of what people are, what is nice about tuning a nitro engine is you can see the smoke trail. And so you know if it's running rich and you can tell when you've made a change if it's running lean. And with a gasser, there's no smoke trail. So how do you know what it is outside of how it feels? And Doug has kind of made this something he's taught me when I say Doug, Doug Darby has made it to where you, you can't necessarily do it in flight as easily, but you always start out going richer so that you know if if it's lean, you go richer and it makes better power. Well, you know, oh, I did it right. And then when you start leaning it out, if you're not sure if you've gone too far, you land while it, and, and, and you, you pull the plug on it. And if you look at the actual spark plug, because it's not a glow plug, you can see if it's black. If it's black, then it's rich. If it's gray in any form or fashion, then it is too lean and you're really looking for a, a chocolate brown or tan color. If it's chocolate brown or tan, then you're right in the zone and that's how you tell instead of being able to just watch the smoke trail. Okay, cool. Good advice. Nice. No, that's interesting. It's uh, That's the thing I'm learning as, as I dig deeper into nitro. I get really frustrated because I feel like people can hear, people with experience can hear differences and see differences that I can't see or hear yet. So. Maybe starting with a gasser, maybe, I don't know, I guess that's just an additional challenge that I just never thought about. That's cool that there is no smoke trail because that is the one thing I can see. I'm starting to yeah. learn what extreme leanness sounds like when everyone yells land uh, and <laughs> shut it off. <laughs> yeah, I've learned what that sound is. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can start to see that coming. But yeah, the smoke is a big visual indicator for the uninitiated. So I'll say this, I, was, I wasn't that interested in gas until a couple of years ago and I flew one of Doug's. And I was, I had this big smile on my face. It's fun. All fuel powered, all fuel, fuel powered helicopters are fun is all there is to it to me. Yeah. It's, it's cool that this little tiny thing is like the engine in your car. It's following the same basic principles and it's making, yeah. you're putting gas in this tiny little thing and it's making power and smoke's coming out and your helicopter's flying. Based you start on learning about it with gas and there's a magneto that spins and actually causes spark and all that stuff. It's Pretty neat, I think. Stupid question. Can you see the fuel in the gas tank as easily yeah. as you can nitro? Totally. Because okay. it's not, it has oil in it. Okay. And so it's it's red or brown or whatever color oil you put in it. So yeah, it's not clear. Cool. Well, uh, I'm excited to have our first guest in the books. Uh, thanks, Carrie, for coming on. For sure. And look forward to doing more gas helicopter covers. That Tron conversion he's working on sounds pretty cool. It looks um, pretty slick. Kenny, have you it, flown a gas powered one before? No, I was about to say that I'm I'm kind of anxious to try one out too. So oh, maybe if I'm at a fun fly with you, I got to try one. Yeah, I was going to say next time y'all are out, I got to let you have a pull on it for sure. Definitely curious. All right, well, that wraps it up for this episode of the Rotor Revolution. But before we get out of here, just a couple little contact info bits. If you want to get a hold of Brian, you can hit him up via email at brian at rotorrevolution.live. 
or via Facebook. Same for me, Nick at RotorRevolution.live or Facebook Messenger, Nick Wisdom RC. Uh, Alex, somebody's got a question for you. What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, just Facebook messages easiest. If you do not have Facebook, I know that I have an email that I need to learn how to check. For I do this. check them for you all. Okay. Well, you can email me then at, at alex at voterrevolution.live. Live. <laughs> Thanks for setting that up for me, Nick. <laughs> we got the ball. Yeah. Kenny, if someone wants to get a hold of you, how do they do so? Same, Kenny at rotorevolution.live or Facebook Messenger is usually the fastest way. All right, right on. I'm going to drop a little hint here. If you made it this far in the episode, we are going to be doing some swag giveaways coming up soon, but we are only going to announce them on our Facebook page. So if you have not yet liked or followed our Facebook page, I would suggest you go ahead and do so, please. If what you if they don't stay have Facebook? Of those? I don't know. Then you need to find a sorry. spouse or friend sorry for or heli buddy. <laughs> if you don't have Facebook and you don't like Facebook, there is a lot of cool stuff that at least happens in the helicopter community. So you could create a fake account and just follow that if you wanted to. There's yes. some cool stuff that happens. Create an account and follow nothing but like three or four Facebook groups and plus whatever your favorite brands of helis are. And then you're yeah. good. Because um, there's some pretty fun content and videos and stuff that happen that make the world seem smaller. True. Yeah, yeah. I think some people just don't want to join Facebook to have all their info. We just. I get that. Yeah. Either way. I get it. That's valid. I don't know. Maybe I need to rethink it. We got some time before we're going to give away uh, a hat or two. I mean, um, I have no idea how many listeners we have that don't have Facebook. So if you don't have Facebook, you can message me at Facebook and let me know. <laughs> I was going to say, if you don't yeah. have Facebook, hit us up via Messenger. <laughs> just email. <laughs> And if you don't like Facebook, it's Alex at RotorRevolution.live. <laughs> Tell him all about yeah. it. <laughs> all the feedback. Yeah. And we'd love to hear it. Uh, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform, if you would. Certainly helps get the word out and uh, get us recommended to others on those platforms. Listener counts going up every single week. We love it. We certainly super appreciate you all listening to us having fun talking about helicopters. And, For sure. Uh, with that, that's it for this episode of the Rotor Revolution. Thanks for joining us. Bye bye. You don't get a goodbye from Alex. You can sign. Oh yeah, later guys. Have this fun. Thank you. This concludes this episode of the Rotor Revolution RC podcast. To learn more, stay in touch with the team, and to join the revolution, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast, or find us on the web at rotorrevolution.live. Help us spread the word and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. For listener questions, advertising inquiries, or to reach out to the entire team, email us at questions at rotorrevolution.live. Thanks for listening.